Hello and welcome to our latest Sustainability Perspectives podcast. Uh, my name is Elizabeth Skoda and today we're looking at the challenges and opportunities around using recycled content in films and flexible packaging. And we're going to be using Hatsopoulos's um, Xloop film as an example. So Xloop is a new packaging range that incorporates circular and post-consumer recycled plastic films and also biocircular plastics. And um, yeah, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into that today. I'm very pleased to have with me today Hatsopoulos' sales director for UK and Ireland, Eleftherios Kassiniadis. And we also have Lefki Pronso, who is marketing and communications manager at the company. So yeah, welcome both. Looking forward to, to speaking to you today. Likewise. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Elizabeth. I just wanted to ask you to start with, could you both um, maybe quickly introduce yourself? Of course, yeah. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Ferris Kassianidis. I'm an organic polymer chemist by training. Professionally, I uh, was initially involved with uh, pure R&D work in numerous fields, uh, but mainly in physical organic chemistry and biopolymer chemistry in various settings as well, but both academic and industrial. Uh, and that was before uh, I assumed my, my very first role in sales back in 2006-2007. I have been with Hadjopoulos for the last 12 years, where I have nowadays a hybrid technical and sales function. And I'm in charge of, of sales and basically to all English-speaking countries. Thank you. And um, yeah, Lefki, would you like to introduce yourself as well? Sure. My name is uh, Lefki Prunzu. I am the Marketing and Communications Manager of Hadjopoulos. I have been uh, with the company since 2010, involved in several uh, sales projects since that time in uh, Western Europe mainly. And I'm in charge of the marketing strategy of the company uh, the last uh, six years. So Hatsopoulos' Xlib film incorporates post-consumer recycled plastics films and also biocircular plastics. And um, I wanted to have a bit of a closer look into these two types of plastics. So I wanted to ask you, um, where is the post-consumer recycled material sourced and what are the challenges working with it? Right, so um, main, main sources of recycled content currently in Europe uh, could be identified as uh, commercial retail, uh, post-industrial, and then curbside collections. It has to be said that all these streams, all these collection streams and processes uh, and infrastructure really are at uh, their infancy in you know, both the UK and mainland Europe right now. So it is quite a talent uh, actually sourcing high-quality feedstocks for, for any sort of uh, recycling process, you know, whether it be biocircular or non-bio uh, PCR. Uh, so this is, it poses a really serious talent uh, and, you know, the whole idea of circularity actually identifying a reliable source of a recycled, basically. 
And obviously there's different recycling technologies out there. And I wanted to ask you what technologies would you say yield the best results? That's a very good question. So uh, right now, recycling, plastic film recycling, recycling could be classified into very, two very broad categories. One would be mechanical recycling. So it's the simplest, uh, most cost-effective and, and common form of, of recycling. Uh, many people in the field would be familiar uh, even if there are experts with the principles behind it. So it involves sorting, so collecting first, first of all, a plastic waste and then sorting it, uh, minor decontamination processes, uh, and then uh, basically physically melting and remolding the recycled. Uh, it yields a lower quality, uh, and product, so that's why uh, in some circles it is, well, in some circles in general, uh, it is characterized as, as downcycling of films, since, you know, quality is variable, there is an inability due to the uh, inherent characteristics of the process uh, to, to remove contaminants and, and additives uh, quite effectively, uh, so... Yeah, these are some challenges uh, with uh, with mechanical recycling, but it has its its place in general into the whole recycling uh, agenda and philosophy. And the second, of course, uh, main category is chemical risk. Chemical risk, how it uh, offers the potential uh, of uh, manufacture of high quality polymers from plastic waste, and uh, that's why it's. Broadly termed as upcycling. Again, the, the main idea is very, very similar to mechanical, to mechanical recycling. So, a plastic waste or, or you know, mixed, mixed plastic waste is depolymerized, is broken down into the constituent uh, subunits, uh, which uh, are then, you know, purified, decontaminated, and repolymerized under, under uh, more controlled conditions this time. Uh, so, so these are broadly the main two recycling categories. Uh, and then obviously we, we can delve into much more, much more details because, you know, chemical recycling, in my view anyway, is, is the future in terms of uh, circularity. And there is one specific process uh, that stands out, and that's uh, hydrothermal treatment. So a singular uh, process that has been developed very, very recently that stands out. So in in general terms, uh, chemical recycling involves either thermal uh, thermal treatment, thermal cracking, or osobolysis. So thermal cracking, basically, the application of heat to, to break down the polymers in very, very simplified terms. And so voice is, is the dissolution of constituent parts into uh, you know appropriate solvent systems. But hydrothermal treatment incorporates process attributes of what pyrolysis, thermal treatment, uh, so high heat, and solvolysis. So 
basically a dissolution to to a, an appropriate solipsism, as I said, with the purpose of you know beating, melting, and then dissolving uh, all the resultant molecules in steam. But, but the most important, most significant aspect of it is that is done under supercritical conditions. So it's it's high heat and high pressure. Now, as a result of that treatment, uh, polymers disassembled into short-chain, low-molecular weight hydrocarbons with water acting as a, a hydrogen ion donor to alleviate excess cracking and free radical formation. So that, that's, that's the main principle behind it. And then the whole mix, the whole water vapor, steam and hydrocarbon mix uh, goes through a reactor system and it's uh, depressurized, so pressure is reduced to distill the product out across a range of, of boiling points. Um, the, the main advantages of this process is that catalysts do, do not degrade or, or consume, and no, no, do they need regeneration at all. And also uh, because heat is directly transferred to the plastic wave mix via the uh, you know uh, supercritical water environment, there are no. Uh, limitations to do scale-up. Scale-up is really simple. So when we're talking about scale-up, uh, we're talking about immediate commercialization, which is, you know, is much needed, in, especially in Europe right now. Um, and lastly, because there's no combustion involved, there's no direct heating of the plastic waste, hydrothermal treatment does not create any harmful byproducts, uh, such as dioxin, uh, such as dioxins. And the production of tar uh, is obviously non-existent because there's no combustion. And it, it goes without saying that that maximizes yields relative to other thermal process technologies, such as uh, pyrolysis and, and gasification. Does Hatsopoulos ever use post-industrial material for their films? And um, I think sometimes there's a bit of confusion between post-consumer and post-industrial recycled. Could you talk a bit more about that? Well, the main difference between the two film types are that, obviously, PCR films are uh, plastic materials that have been uh, previously used by consumers and then collected for recycling, so... Uh, these materials they have fulfilled their initial purpose and now they're ready for a new life following a recycling technology applied. Whilst uh, post-industrial recycled packaging materials, they come from uh, industrial manufacturing processes and they are generated uh, during the manufacturing of products and they're not used by consumers. So they are recycled within uh, a manufacturing facility so this can mean scraps or trimmings or excess materials generated during the production of uh, packaging products before they reach the consumer. So that's the, the key distinction, which lies in the source of recycled content. We have used um, post-industrial materials 
post-industrial content. When we uh, initially started putting together the whole you know, X-Loop and X-Cycle portfolios, and just because uh, there was an availability issue uh, with regard to, to post-consumer materials, the, the use, the utilization of, of, of PIR, so post-industrial materials, doesn't pose any particular uh, challenge or, or risk. So compositionally, they, they are identical to, to post-consumer, but uh, so there, there, there's no challenge really. I also wanted to ask you, obviously, I mentioned at the beginning, biocircular materials. Um, could you talk a bit about more about what they are and what the challenges are around incorporating them in flexible packaging? It's quite interesting, actually, and there are a lot of misconceptions uh, floating about, of which we become aware uh, mainly when we speak with, with, with clients. So, difference between biocircular uh, plastics and PCR or non-bioplastics. So, constitutionally, um, chemically, at the molecular level, but also in terms of physical properties, functionality, biocycle materials and post-consumer or non-biomaterials uh, are identical. Especially so, uh, just to be more specific, so biocycle materials and non-biomaterials uh, engendered through chemical recycling are identical. And those two categories are in turn identical uh, with conventional fossil-derived plastics. Um, so chemical recycling needs, needs to be emphasized here because as I mentioned previously, mechanical recycle will routinely yield uh, end products of variable quality. So that's why I'm considering chemical recycling here. Uh, so the sole difference uh, between the two material categories uh, lies in the type, uh, the nature of uh, feedstocks utilized in the manufacture. Uh, Biocycle materials uh, manufactured mainly via chemical recycling of renewable uh, plant-based feedstocks, uh, namely a first-generation biomass, which typically corresponds to uh, readily fermentable sugars from edible uh, polysaccharide sources, such as mainly you know, corn, sugarcane, or edible vegetable oils, uh, or second-generation biomass, uh, which refers to, to more complex, non-edible, agricultural and, and food bio-waste, which is rich in uh, uh, lignocellulosic content. Um, now, the, the whole process, manufacturing process, takes place in complex industrial setups uh, called biorefineries, where, you know, either first or second generation biomass, which is respectively, as I mentioned above, uh, edible plant-based products uh, and non-edible bio-waste. Uh, so biomass is valorized and upcycled uh, into the same subunits as those derived from petroleum, from fossil-based sources. So these monomers, 
can subsequently be polymerized into um, numerous uh, durable standard polymers uh, and you know such as BioP, BioPP, uh, and and BioPT. Now, PCR materials, so post-consumer non-biomaterials, uh, conversely, uh, are produced via mechanical or chemical reprocessing of consumer plastic waste, or uh, simply via end-of-life treatment and recycling of materials that have flowed through the whole supply chain, as Lefty mentioned. Uh, again, here, plastic waste is depolymerized, decontaminated and purified, uh, monomers are collected, they're harvested, and then, you know, uh, from those uh, building blocks, several polymers uh, can be reconstituted, uh, repolymerized. An important point that needs to be emphasized because on numerous occasions, again, after talking to um, colleagues, colleagues, clients to the public, uh, so on numerous occasions, biocircular plastics are misidentified and uh, considered as, as, as synonymous with uh, biodegradable compostable, or fiber-based materials, uh, which could not be obviously further from the truth. So biocycle plastics obviously can be biodegradable and compostable, uh, depending on, on, on composition. Uh, however, biocircular P, PP, and PET, which are the main you know, film categories used in consumer packaging right now, uh, despite the fact that they're derived from uh, renewable plant-based feedstocks are still PEPP and PET, and they are identical with fossil-based PEPP and PET, and so have identical properties and exhibit you know, identical benefits and drawbacks, especially in terms of end-of-life treatment. So that, that, that's what uh, you know, the point I need to make here, because there's a lot of confusion out there. Yeah, it's always good to, to clear up confusion like that and be really clear. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to wrap up this podcast by asking you both, um, what developments do you expect in the industry for the future, for example, to boosting the sources of recycled or technological innovations that boost recycling and recyclability further? As I call it, uh, in a utopian secularity state, or in the utopian circularity state of the future, you'd probably see full incorporation of the biocircular recycling route uh, with a whole uh, closed-loop post-consumer recycling. You know, these two processes are complementary anyway. Uh, and, you know, the simultaneous uh, or concurrent operation would ensure that our society, our economy, culture is uh, extricated from uh, the thrall of fossil-based fuel. So obviously chemical recycling methodologies are already uh, progressively optimized uh, becoming more 
cost efficient, uh, and that has been the main obstacle, you know, for for the, the full commercialization so far. And yeah, that, that's where we see us uh, ending up. So full operation of both the biocycler and the post-consumer routes. An important point here is uh, collaboration, which is needed uh, among all stakeholders in the packaging industry, uh, including manufacturers, retailers, recyclers, to, to work together towards this goal. Absolutely. Yeah, collaboration is always so key, isn't it? So that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Uh, thank you very much for uh, being here with me today, Levki and Elif, and for, for sharing your insights. Thank, thank you, you so much for, for having us, Elizabeth. And um, as always, a reminder to our listeners, uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of the latest episodes. Thank you very much.